Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name, actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Wir gerne sehen in was ist los. It's dein Freundo, Seth. I'm learning German. Yeah, in case you didn't know what that was. That is me trying to impress you with the little German that I know. Right now, I am actually learning German. I took it in high school. I goofed off the entire time. I did some other language learning apps. They taught me things like where the taxi stand is and how to find a bus, um, but not a lot of conversational uh German. Thankfully, that's what Babbel is all about. Babbel teaches you language conversationally, which let's face it, that is what you want to know anyway. I don't know. When I was in school, you learned like how to count. You learned like the colors. You learned the shapes. Those are all important things, but they don't help you when you're in uh, like Cologne, Germany with Ein Nierenstein, which by the way is German for kidney stone, uh, an experience I can unfortunately speak personally to. But I've been using Babbel to learn to speak German again, uh, better than I have before. I actually really like it because it is conversational. It's a little bit more relaxed. One of the things that it does that I really like is it'll sometimes show you what the literal English translation is. And I don't know why, but I find that very helpful in sort of understanding the structure, the grammar of a language and sort of putting myself into that mind space. Since I'm only in Germany for Gamescom, which is like a week, week and a half, I'm not immersed in the German language. I'm not immersed in German culture. So what I do is the second best thing. I'm taking Babbel. Hopefully this year when I go to Germany, I'll be able to impress all the Germans with how much German I know from learning through Babbel. The app has pronunciation recognition, so you'll be able to learn how to speak better with your accent, how to actually properly pronounce the words. That way you won't get made fun of by a, a group of older German men because you said Apfelstrudel and not Apfelstrudel. Um, no, it's really cool. Uh, I'm going to say right now there is a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now you can get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners because you guys are the best ones, by the way, at babbel.com slash realm. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply. Listen. And welcome to Nintendo Voice Chat, IGN's Nintendo podcast. I'm your host, Casey DeFridis, and this week we will be talking about how Animal Crossing New Horizons is now the Switch's second best-selling game. We'll be talking a ton about Paper Mario because it is the Japanese release anniversary of the original Paper Mario for the Nintendo 64, and of course, a whole lot more. This week, I am joined by Per Schneider. Hey. Brendan Graber. Hello. And for the first time, Terry Schwartz. Hello. Terry, you actually reviewed one of the Paper Marios for us. 
I did. I demanded it. Uh, no, I asked very nicely and they were like, no one volunteers to review Paper Mario Color Splash. You sure can. Um, uh, yeah, I, I guess it was funny because I didn't love it, but I liked it more than Sticker Star. But we had given Sticker Star uh, a higher score. And so I got to my one review experience was the the fun joys of navigating like uh how do I explain that I like this more than uh, the previous game, but also explain why my score is lower than the previous review score? Um, I'm only a couple hours into the new one, though, and I'm really enjoying it. Isn't that a pain, though? I'm sure everyone else, everyone at IGN has had to deal with that before. It's like, well, I like it more than this one, but they gave that one a really high score. So what do I do? And then, you know, I guess people figure it out like we all do. I don't know how I figured that out. The concept of, hey, uh, there are, more than one person works at IGN. They had different opinions. Brandon, <gasps> everyone knows that's not true. Don't worry. Yeah. No one pointed it out in the comments. <laughs> not a single you know, person. Back back when we were running channels, um, we tried to make things match up. And like e- even, you know, even when you have a small team of people reviewing all the N64 games, you suddenly run into issues. The moment like a PlayStation game gets ported and you're like, they gave ODT a nine. That's like a six for us. And so <laughs> yeah. the moment like it just like trying to make things match up between people broke down after less than a year. It's funny too, because I like, first of all, I'm so, Casey, thank you so much for having me on this episode because I love Paper Mario. I love the franchise um, and and the first Paper Mario game, we'll talk about it later, but it's like tied for one of my favorite games ever. But it is funny because I realized recently it came out when I was 12 and I totally have nostalgia for like it being perfection because my 12 year old brain was like, this is a perfect game. And now I'm like an adult and consuming this in a different way. (laughs) So probably who knows how, if this was the first game that I played, how I'd feel about it, but it's such a special franchise and I'm glad we get to celebrate it. Yeah. And I'm so glad to have you on this week, not only to talk about Paper Mario, but also I know you're a big fan of Animal Crossing as well. And I think it's pretty big news that Animal Crossing New Horizons is now the second best selling Switch game. So Nintendo released some financial data recently, and we got a lot of info. Basically, Animal Crossing New Horizons sales have reached 22 million, which is crazy. It's insane, right? And can anyone guess what is beating it out for being the best selling Switch game? I'm sure everyone. Mario Kart. There we go. Mario (laughs) Kart 8 Deluxe is the only other one that's better. So that means it's outsold Smash and Zelda and Mario Odyssey, which is insane. Yeah, Mario Odyssey isn't even in the top five best-selling Switch games anymore, which is also crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I know people people always consider, you know, games like Legend of Zelda to be system sellers or Super Mario. In the end, it is about... Pokemon, Smash Brothers, Animal Crossing, Mario Kart, those are usually at the top of every generation, unless you have like a Wii Sports or some oddball game thrown into the middle. But like, what's even more notable is, you know, Animal Crossing is not a complete reinvention of Animal Crossing. So it's a little bit like an Animal Crossing Deluxe, right? Like it's the best of all the games, just like Mario Kart is not a new game. It's actually a re-release of the last one. So mm-hmm. um, it'd be nice to see what what happens when they make a really new Mario Kart or a completely new game like that. I think of all the uh, the years to have to coast down the uh, the fall lineup of not a whole lot there. Having Animal Crossing this year really helped kind of like ride that coaster of like, well, we, uh, we have a lot of profits this year. So maybe we don't have a giant release title planned for this year that we know of. But uh, things are looking good for them. Well, yeah. I think it's so lucky that it came out 
when it did in in a really dark way, because I think in a normal year, would we have seen Animal Crossing have this kind of response where I think what's the stat? 50 percent of all new consoles were playing Animal Crossing that were yeah. sold during since its release. But it's at a time when it's coming out where people need to fill their time with something new and exciting. And it's such an accessible game and everyone was playing it and celebrities were playing it. And so it's like during the pandemic, when you're you're trying to fill all that time, it makes a lot of sense why this specifically blew up in such a big way especially more than all the previous installments it it really did get the corona bump and if you look at any sort of trend data available out there if you look at uh, you know twitter released a report on what people searched the most for or or you know what topics were trending the most and like animal crossing is on all these lists i have this chart where i show google search interest in the the biggest games and all of the games on the list are multiplayer games like call of duty Warzone or league of legends like any of like you know any of the fortnite any of the big games and then animal crossing comes in and it goes like like it just also shoots a multiplayer off the game. <laughs> i know but it's not but it's not a competitive game where you're constantly you know you're like you're measuring your rank or looking for versus yes you are very competitive with your island but, but no it, it was just the right game at the right time we and, couldn't and, travel anywhere so we wanted to show people our islands and yeah travel to people's islands i mean people were going on dates in animal crossing like people were meeting on tinder and then going on animal crossing dates like i remember reading a polygon article about how people were specifically buying Animal Crossing to be able to participate in those kind of virtual dates, which I found really funny. And I think one of the other tells that the current like world environment affected the sales is that Animal Crossing New Horizons sold 10 million more copies than any other Animal Crossing, which, I mean, yeah. to me, that doesn't sound like a fluke, right? Like who would have guessed that it would sell so much more than the previous installments? Yeah. Well, I mean, well deserved. I think it's a really good game. I'm I've kind of lapsed now. I don't know, Terry, if you're still religiously checking in. I checked in <laughs> twice in the last two weeks. I uh, I translated all my energy playing Animal Crossing to uh, coordinating our Animal Crossing charity streams that we did instead <laughs> yeah. because I there saw I honestly the thing that broke me was I went to my brother's island he's six years younger than I am he's a teacher and he had a lot of downtime and like the way his brain worked to conceptualize and like meticulously uh, craft and like uh, you know terraform his island I was like oh yeah. I can't do this. And I was like, all right, tap out. Like, I'd rather just, you know, put put that energy into other good places. No. Um, yeah, I honestly I tapped out really early because I was intimidated. Uh, also, some, I'm sorry, my neighbor is mowing their lawn right now, I think. So if that's picking up on the mic, I profusely apologize. But we'll try to get through it. Um, I... Man, this is really distracting. It's so loud. I can hear it over my headphones, but I'm going to keep going. We, we can't, can't, anyway, we can't hear, it. hear it. Okay, cool. Yeah. Good. You can't, Good you can't hear my snoring dog either, right? So Okay, perfect. <laughs> no sound effects in the background here. No, I kept out super early because I was super intimidated trying to make an island to look nice. So I decided to just not try at all. And then no one could judge me because there's no product to look at. So, <laughs> I think it's really interesting that they have saw such a uh, spike in Switch sales that I think you can pretty clearly connect that to people wanting to play Animal Crossing. And I think it absolutely had to be because of the multiplayer element and the online element that they added in in such a big way here because you you had so many people talking about playing it. And again, I think the fact that it broke through the pop culture sphere in such a meaningful way um, really impacted kind of the reach and the way people were consuming it when you see all the, like, the Elijah 
Wood story of him going to a random girl's like island for turnips and and all this stuff. I think that it just encouraged the spread a lot wider. And in a weird way, it reminded me of the launch of Pokemon Go, very different way because this kept us all inside instead of outside. But the way that it like it spread so much farther beyond the kind of traditional sphere of people who would play that type of game. That's exactly right. It is, it is, it, it is kind of like one of these big phenomena, like where, where something blows up because of the Pokemon Go had this cultural impact because people actually went outside. And so everybody talked about this. Like I looked again, I looked at Google trend data. I don't, I don't, think there are many spikes that are this big like honestly like even like something like the travis scott Fortnite concert those are huge blips in the activity nothing measured up to this animal crossing thing outside of pokemon go's big spike and i honestly think yeah I was going to say, but if we're talking about Fortnite, you go to uh, Drake, Ninja, and Fortnite, and that's the, that's the moment, right, where it breaks. Drake, Ninja, and the Black Hole also was right. really big, but Animal Crossing was sustained. It wasn't just this kind of one-week thing. It was like a month of really high trends. And then I will say, like, it probably would have sold even better if the Switch wasn't sold out. And I think the biggest casualty of hardware not being so uh, scarce was Ring Fit Adventure. It's I think exactly. Ring Fit would have cleaned up during yeah. the you know, the early Corona days and it just, you couldn't buy it. I mean, people were selling it on eBay for like $300, which is crazy. (laughs) Yeah. But I, on that note, even though there was a bit of a shortage and Nintendo Nintendo probably could have done even better, their year over year profits still have risen over 500%, which is insane. So uh, congratulations to anyone who bought like Nintendo stocks in the past (laughs) couple of years, because it's probably doing super well right now. But I also wanted to mention that Nintendo's mobile and um, I guess this mobile income um, has actually increased 32.7%, which I found interesting because Nintendo just recently said that they're going to stop investing in mobile gaming. Uh, I wanted to hear, I don't know, Pear's kind of opinions on that. It's just mobile is just up. Everything is up in mobile because people spend more time playing games. Like it's not that gamers went, oh, no, the games are going to go away. Let me quickly play. Um, No, it's just uh, a lot of activity, especially in Asia. China and Japan went way up uh, on a lot of games. So mobile payments go up 5% or it's bust. Yeah. (laughs) And by the way, it's Japan took a break from playing Human Fall Flat, which is just I don't know if you've been following it. Is this ginormous success in Japan? Oh wow! No, I should be on the title. on the Switch. (laughs) Human Fall Flat. Yeah, no, it's it's the same title in the US as well. It's it's actually um it's not a Japanese game. Like it got big because it was featured on some big variety show in Japan with some stars. Uh, Actually, the PS4 version was, and it just exploded. And on the Switch, it just keeps selling. It's like number one in the eShop all the time. Okay, I need to read about that. Yeah, is it like what the name promises though? Like Fall Guys? <laughs> it's like, it's, no, no, no. It's falling like falling flat. <laughs> it's like Octodad, where you have okay. like a weirdly lanky character. Oh, I think gotta, I've seen yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's been out for ages, but like it just blew up. And one more thing before we move on to Paper Mario that I wanted to mention is that um, these sales numbers make Animal Crossing New Horizons better selling than any PS4 exclusive. Not to start anything, I just thought it was an interesting <laughs> piece of data that I wanted to throw out there. Console like, war, Casey. I know. No, it's like, no one's talking about Nintendo in the console war yet. <laughs> no, I hate console wars. I think they're dumb. Don't don't do it. I just think it's an interesting data point. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but do you think that that has anything to do with kind of like 
the the f- number of key flagship Nintendo games. So they're kind of like more concentrated if you're talking about core Nintendo IPs and how many are released and, and what you can go mm-hmm. to play. Yeah, no, I think you're exactly right there, Terry. I think that the games that come out for the Nintendo Switch that people are excited for and buy in weight in like big droves are kind of more spread out than games that come out on the PS4. Because the biggest games that come out on the Switch are Switch exclusive, whereas PS4 is getting games that also come out on PC and Xbox and Steam and et cetera. Not that we don't get Steam games, but you guys know what I mean. Right. And the big difference to the last generation was that Nintendo titles, the big exclusives were split over two platforms, right? So suddenly you have the Switch with 50 million install base, which is half of what the PS4 has. But it's like you no longer have, you know, people going gaga over a game on DS or 3DS and, Mm -hmm. you know, not on Wii U. Yeah. R.I.P. And now we just have this one. But... We just talked about how Animal Crossing New Horizons is now the second best-selling Switch game behind only Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. And next up, we will be talking about Paper Mario. And not just Paper Mario the Origami King, but all of Paper Mario. Because 10 years ago this week, on August 11th, the original Paper Mario was released in Japan. It actually didn't come out into the U.S. in 2001, but because Origami King just came out and it's fresh in everyone's minds, I figured we'd take this opportunity to talk about... A little bit about the history of Paper Mario and our favorite Paper Marios. It includes some video comments that we got from you guys back at home who sent us your video comments. So thank you for those yaps. Guys, Paper Mario. (laughs) I recently, um, somebody asked me something about uh, Earthbound 64, and I had to get go back into our archives because I did see that game at Space World so many years ago. And as as I was looking back at our Space World coverage from there, I saw that we played Paper Mario for the first time at Space World and the signs all said Super Mario RPG 2. Oh, yeah. And so it was called Super Mario RPG 2 originally. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to be a direct follow-up to the Square game with the right. cha- already with the changed visuals. And then for the US, the working title was Super Mario Adventure. Huh. And I then, didn't know about the Super Mario Adventure And it was part called Mario Story for a while. And it's like, it, it, it's a game of many names, but now it's Paper Mario. My vivid first memory of the Paper Mario franchise was the commercial that they aired uh, on TV around it, because I thought, again, I was like 12 when it came out, but I thought it was the funniest commercial. (laughs) It played it played so much into um, into the the idea that this is Paper Mario. I don't know if you have you guys seen it. Do you know what I'm talking about? I remember. I'm there. Like what happens? It's just is it. Well, it's it's a, like a live action commercial where Mario is just cardboard. And so he's like being dragged. He's like on a string and being dragged through the water and like Peach is being held over a paper shredder. And it just it, as a kid, it got my attention in that way. And I at the time, we would always get to go to like Toys R Us and get to try out games on the N64 uh, that they would have set up there. And I remember playing it and just falling in love with the, the humor at the time. And, uh, you know, obviously coming off of stuff like Super Mario 64, it was just uh, it, for me, that N64 was my first Nintendo console, so I had never played Super Mario RPG. I've since gone back and, and played it and understand, oh, yes, that totally you know was, was the inspiration for it. But for me, it was just like a very interesting blending of genres that totally spoke to me. What's I really mean, interesting is... The, uh, I was going to say, you go ahead. Shout out to the marketing in general, because I remember the big thing uh, with the commercial was also... If you had the old Nintendo Power issues or the Gamer magazines, they just had a cutout, like scissor thing, I'm marking around Paper Mario and say free demo. 
I was going to say that game was born out of the limitation that um, the N64 just couldn't handle the type of like expression and character characters that the designers wanted. Right. They went from something that looked like Super Mario RPG, like really looked like Mario characters. And then they were trying to do this polygonally and the characters just didn't look right. And then they're using sprites and everything looked super flat. And so then they came up with a genius idea and just said, what if it's paper? And then they built that into the game and like paper can turn sideways to be invisible and squeeze into cracks and all of that. And it's just like this tremendous creativity born out of a limitation of the N64, just not being able to do pretty looking 3D characters. So downside is no more Geno. Upside is great new physics to play with. (laughs) I did want to mention that the original Super Paper Mario RPG was made by Square. And I believe that one of the first concept images they showed Nintendo was Mario with a sword. (laughs) <laughs> and they they had to rework around that and make it more Mario-like, but they ended up using a similar graphic system. That, it was the Rare Systems graphic system that Donkey Kong used, so it looked really, really great on the Super Nintendo for its time, and they only went over to Intelligent Systems when they went to Nintendo 64, and because Intelligent Systems was Fire Emblem's developer, so they got another, a different mm-hmm. great, some a different developer known for great RPGs to start working on the new Super Mario, Super Paper, Super Mario RPG, which is now Paper Mario. And they've continued to work on it since then. Square, obviously. I mean, that's another one of those fortuitous or not fortuitous moments, depending on how much you wanted a straight up sequel to Super Mario RPGs that Square said, hey, we don't want to be on N64 because these cartridges are too damn expensive, right? And they (laughs) took all their toys and left. And so then Nintendo, to their credit, didn't let the concept of a Super Mario RPG die until they took out all the RPG elements. Um, but, you know, they continued them for a while. So that's that's pretty cool. I'm trying it. So I wanted to also just kind of go down the list. Paper Mario has generally been a pretty well-received game. Um, Paper Mario, obviously, it scored a 9 on IGN. And then the, the Thousand Year Door came out in 2004 and scored a 9.1. Also amazing. And if any of you guys want to stop me, if I'm on your favorite Paper Mario that you'd like to talk to talk stop. about... All right, <laughs> thousand year door. Thousand year door, and I, I think we passed uh, uh, Terry's favorite one, though, right? Oh yeah, Paper Paper Mario is yeah, your favorite. Tell was... us why the original Paper Mario is your favorite Paper Mario. Well, first of all, I like I will flag that the reason why I know vividly that I was twelve when Paper Mario came out, continually dating myself, is that like someone recently posted a tweet where they were like, "What were your favorite games that came out when you were twelve? And I looked back and it was like, "Oh shoot, all my favorite games like still that like hold that that uh, special place in my heart seem to come out from around that window." But again, for me, I like I love RPGs, um, and for me, taking the, this franchise I love that was uh, not only a very funny game but also the mechanics I thought were really clever. I love that it took all these familiar elements from um, Mario, but really translated it into uh, an accessible uh, RPG with, with again, the physics and, and playful like functionality of, of people being paper and what does that mean and how does that affect not only the story, but the way you play the game. I, I just found it immensely, immensely uh, playable and, and um, have revisited it every five or 10 years if I can since then. And every time, like, again, I have that nostalgia, but um, still find those things that I love in it there. And I think, you know, for me, holding that so close to my heart, I miss that core RPG element of it as it's become a bit more of like an action RPG. And they've played or they've experimented with um, 
the the combat system a lot since i think post thousand year door uh and every game i'm like just go back just like do the spiritual successor to thousand year door what is this origami king combat system <laughs> um, it's yeah. Again, that's I, 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 I appreciate yeah. that they riff right. on the combat system in some fashion, but like, so my favorite one is Thousand Year Door, the follow up to Paper Mario. I felt like they took everything that was great about the first one, then they added just like they added more like crazier scenarios. I loved all the NPC characters that go around with you, you know, having like kind of a, a, a second character with you was just really cool. The uh, battle system, you know, obviously with the timed presses. And then, yeah, it was it was a role-playing game, right? Whereas the, the later games were all action adventures. This one had RPG leveling. Mario went up uh, level by level. And every time you leveled up, you had to decide where you put your points, right? Do you want more health? Do you want more flower points? Whatever. And you, you had to make these decisions. And so your paths could be slightly different depending on the player. But yeah, it's it's just... Obviously, a lot of stuff evolved since then, and I I really like a lot of things uh, about Origami King. There's so much there. The writing is just uh, night and day. It's just so much better now, Um, and uh, there's so many clever little mini games and game shows and all of that stuff. But like, the battle system just is never as good again as it was when battles counted for something and not just coins. But that skill of knowing when to tap and having that cadence down over the years remains. So (laughs) knowing when to whack the hammer. (laughs) I think that was that was something that that Miyamoto came up with and for Super Super Mario RPG originally, and it just kind of stuck with the series ever since. He wanted, I think, he wanted the turn-based combat to have more action in it. So action commands. (laughs) Brendan, what is your favorite Paper Mario? Uh, The next one on the list, Super Paper Mario. But that's only because I've never been a huge RPG person. I don't know what scared me away from turn-based combat and party members. Like, I think it when me was feeling like you couldn't always have everyone in your party at once. And I'm like, no, I love everyone equally. I want them all to be here at the same time. So even though uh, on the Wii, the... Super Paper Mario, like, kind of was the end of, like, the RPG. You could still gain levels, but it was, like, very, like, behind the scenes. Your attack power would raise a little bit. you get more little health. But, like, there was no more stat allocation or items to equip. But I still really liked the story that they invented with this one. It was, like, this really weird other dimension, this, like, really mysterious character. It also was the the incarnation of the uh, mysterious Mr. L, the... Bizarro Luigi, yeah, that I really liked. When he just became a bad guy for a while. Super Mario had a lot of really interesting characters, for sure. Yeah, it was it was very different, and like going to different universes and seeing like, oh, it's not just about having Toads and Koopas and Goombas. Let's go to a samurai world for a bit, or let's go to like this prehistoric caveman world where they all say "crag" in every single word they say, and like it was almost very similar to Majora's Mask, where there's this ever present like black hole like end of the world thing form behind you and it's always on your mind and you think like you know i suppose for a long old game you think like you're supposed <laughs> to save the world and then at one point just like actually no the everything got something like the abyss now or all the, the world's gone now bye oh, kind of had to like good. pick up the pieces <laughs> it was like it was such a, a different change of pace that i really enjoyed edgy the villains yeah. were really good too i remember the the villains were pretty well developed um you know, oh, going that, past that just being shapeshifter Bowser. one, Mimi. Yeah, that would turn to like a spider. Freaked me the 
Hey, I know that I know that liking Super Paper Mario is kind of divisive because it, it got away from the the turn based RP the turn based RPG that Paper Mario and Super Paper Super Mario RPG was known for. But I mean, it, it, this was actually the first Paper Mario I played. I know I'm terrible. I shouldn't even be here for this discussion. The only Paper Marios I've played were like are no. <laughs> I appreciate. I mean, I- <laughs> I think that's probably why they stuck with it, right? Because it suddenly became a bit more accessible than just the RPG crowd. Yeah. Like, that's interesting that that's how the, the conversation has turned. Because I remember at the time, at least in my limited friend group, like, people seem to respond really well to to that mm. shift. And I heard more people talking about that, again, within my limited sphere, like, pre-Twitter and all that, um, in, in terms of, you know, going from yeah. Paper Mario. It to did. The- I said this is really when you pick these games series up. Yeah. Right. It did yeah, receive an 8.9, which is very great, almost amazing. So it still scored pretty well in IGN. Yeah, take it on its own. It's obviously a really good game, but it's it's tough always if you're a fan of a franchise and something changes, right? Like Zelda 2 is the biggest example of that. Yeah. People said, I don't want that, even though Zelda 2 is a perfectly fine game and a, and a really cool, cool side story. <laughs> yeah, there we go I, again. <laughs> I think it's telling, though, that, well, unless, Casey, what's your favorite part? Paper Mario. I I feel unqualified to tell you what my favorite is because I've only played Super Paper Mario and Sticker Star. So okay. I have, oh, okay. so go back and play Paper Mario. Yeah, I want them to come to the Switch. Please put them That's on. The, also I still a bigger issue too is so, that there's yeah. not a lot of avenues to go back and play these classics. Mm-hmm. I've and wanted I to do... play Thousand. Oh, I was going to just say I want have wanted to play Thousand Year Door for ages. And is it even on? wii u to play or is it only on gamecube that you would have to go back and play it on no you you would have to hook up a gamecube we got yeah. we got one hooked up here. My daughter actually replayed i'll it. drive up oh yeah <laughs> oh, no, oh we yeah you can you can use your wii oh, you can get on eBay yeah, yeah. for like 800 dollars. put the tiny disc in and i hope have it, it. oh yeah those Do discs are scary it? um out of all of my nintendo consoles my gamecube was the only one that started to malfunction. it was the disc oh. reader it stopped reading discs wow. so hmm. I no longer have my original purple one. I have a silver one now. <laughs> I had a wee break. It Me too. sounded like a jet engine was like squeaking and stuff in the end. Yeah. I still have my N64, which is my prized possession. Can't, so can't, we were talking can't about be destroyed. Playing. Cannot yeah, destroy an N64. Yeah. People will be gone and there'll be N64 still <laughs> turning on everywhere. But I believe it's Legacy is best controller ever as well, right? GameCube? for 300 people yes if you have three hands the reason why casey i, I double checked to ask what, what your favorite would have been is because like i think it's telling that for each of us the first three are the best because to me after super paper mario is when the gimmick started to overtake the franchise and like you can argue mm-hmm. that the mm-hmm. gimmick of mm-hmm. it being paper mario is like kind of core to the dna but i think with sticker star and color splash and even a little bit to origami king again i'm not super deep into it but like the gimmick becomes so part of like here's what sets this one apart um that you know i think the the last two before this i don't feel qualified to speak to origami king yet because i'm not i haven't beat it um but the last two for me just were were lacking for the legacy of the franchise i think another interesting to point out is that i think when they made intelligent systems made a demo for super paper mario for the wii um they when they presented it to miyamoto he said it was an exact copy of the original paper mario and put them back to the drawing board Hmm. and they came back again with a kind of like updated one and then he said it was boring and then they they completely they completely redid it and came up with a totally different concept than the original 
So, or maybe that was different. Miyamoto is not an RPG guy. So, you know, but, but it means that people keep trying new stuff. And Mm -hmm. once in a while you get Mario and Luigi paper jam. Which Actually, I think this was. Talk I'm about. talking about Sticker Star. I'm talking about oh, Sticker Star, not Super Paper yeah. Mario. Sorry, apologies. I see. Yeah, okay. oh, comments for Sticker Star. <laughs> Sticker Star could have spent a little longer in the oven too. So yeah, and yeah. color. point though, um, this was also kind of a, a merging, like a diverging paths moment when the Mario and Luigi franchise kind of broke off as the RPG yeah. franchise, whereas Paper Mario went off to the more adventure almost almost adventure puzzle by this point not even action adventure Mm -hmm. because a lot of it's just like solving these combat scenarios but then we had um mario and luigi uh and then the uh uh, superstar uh, partners in time inside story uh dream team and like that was that still kept the the level ups the turn-based combat and they've had their share of gimmicks too but they've at least kind of stayed true to the you will level up and you will gain experience and you will have these turn-based scenarios, even if it's simplified. Do you think that's something to the fact that those were largely handheld versus console? Did they not feel like a core Nintendo, I don't know, RPG could sell consoles in the same way if it was a more traditional JRPG format? Who knows? Point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it might also be intelligent. Maybe intelligent system doesn't want to make those types of games, right? Like, yeah. Uh, the uh, paper gym was made by was made by alpha dream and they only made those types of games right they're mm-hmm. they're out of business now right like the whole mm-hmm. mario and luigi franchise is gone um but uh yeah sometimes it's also the developer's preference right if you get a strong game designer good designer who says you know what i'm bored with rpgs i want to do more action-oriented stuff you get you get different games yeah and i just wanted to quickly finish running off these scores that paper mario has gotten uh super paper mario got an 8.9 sticker star got an 8.3 color splash got a 7.3 uh mario and luigi paper jam i completely forgot it existed i don't know what score it got yeah. um, like a six it's like six. <laughs> it wasn't good and then the origami king got a seven which is good and it may have if we still had our old ign scoring it might have scored better than color splash i don't really know but it is good. They're both good either way. But on that note, I did want to show some videos, um, some yaps that some of our viewers have sent in. And this first one is Patrick, and he's making the case on why the Thousand Year Door is his favorite. And actually, a lot of people said Thousand Year Door. So here we go. In 45 seconds, why Paper Mario the Thousand Year Door is the best game in the series. Here we go. The battle stage with its uh, interactive audience, how they throw items on stage, or sometimes you have to smack them out of the audience if they're troublemakers, so cool. Uh, the integration of paper abilities, turning the paper airplane, bow to tube, is just so, so creative. Uh, the CD nature of Rogueport is such a cool world to explore, and the fact that they use the piadas from Mario Sunshine as gangsters is so funny. Um, the, you can get a Yoshi that has different colors depending on when you load the game, it's so cool. Uh, there's this completely optional partner to be found in the game that's secret. That's awesome. Uh, if you equip a Wario and Luigi badge together, those color combinations turning into Waluigi is just so good. So good. What a good elevator pitch. There's I so know. much stuff in my game that <laughs> I, I forgot about. about so much of that. <laughs> well, thank you, Patrick, for your video comment. We appreciate it. And this next one is from Andrew. And his favorite is also the Thousand Year Door, but he makes a case for the Origami King instead. 
As far as Paper Mario goes, I know everybody tends to uh, say that Thousand Year Door is their favorite, and I totally get that and understand it. But, um, and it really is mine too, but Origami King has been so good. Uh, the Bomb Bomb section really kind of messed me up for a day or so, um, and there's just a lot to like about that game. But I will say this, uh, I know everybody wants 3D World, Mario 3D World to come from the Wii U to the Switch, and I do too, uh, but good grief, I would not be sad if Color Splash, Paper Mario Color Splash came over to the Switch as well, because that is a dang good game and totally underrated. Anyway, thanks for having me. See ya. Would you say Color Splash is underrated, Terry? I would sooner get Thousand Year Door or or, okay. one, or original Paper Mario or Super Paper Mario over versus like a more oh my gosh game. okay because I, I just you know we haven't been able to as accessibly play those games recently versus it doesn't feel like Color Splash was yeah. too far distant um, true for me though maybe easier to port over ultimately for the Switch system yeah. no thank and you. I think look. It, it depends on what kind of RPG, uh, what kind of battle systems you like too. I, I think there are a lot of people are not loving the the kind of like the tourney puzzle style of Origami King. And there's some people who really like that. And same with like card battle systems. There's some people just loathe them. Thank you so much for your video comment, Andrew. And this last video is from Adarsh and he's making a case for Super Paper Mario. Like Brendan. Oh my God, the Dragonite. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, NBC crew, huge fan of the show here. Uh, so my favorite Paper Mario game is actually kind of a controversial pick, and it's Super Paper Mario. I think the reason I like this game so much is because I grew up playing it, so I have a sort of nostalgic connection to it. But more importantly, I just really love the story and the characters and the world in this game. I think all those aspects are just spot on. And it's probably my favorite story in any Mario game, not just you know any Mario RPG. Um, and also, I wasn't really a fan of the action-adventure elements of the newer games, so I really like how this game sort of simplified those elements and made me appreciate the story even more. And so, yeah, that's my pick for my favorite Paper Mario game. Good. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for all of your yaps. Look out for another article asking for yaps later. I know I'm saying yaps. You might be saying, what is a yap, Casey? A yap is a video comment that you can leave to us at the bottom of our articles on IGN.com. And I usually or I will post in our Facebook group, uh, the Nintendo Voice Chat podcast forums. Whenever those call out goes, so look out for that article and look out on our Facebook group for your chance to be featured on Nintendo Voice Chat next week. And with that... We just finished talking about Paper Mario. Guys, thank you so much for joining me to talk about Paper Mario and kind of like the history of the series a little bit. A tiny, tiny little like dive into it, but not a deep dive. But hopefully you learned some things that you didn't know before. And now let's move on to some more news. And the first piece of more news is I like to call the section is that Oceanhorn 2 is coming to Switch. Um, I don't know if any of you are familiar with this. I I heard that jose hated this game so i think it's kind of funny to bring it up i'm sorry jose <laughs> but apparently Horn... yeah somewhere jose is like no i don't know why but no so disturbance in the force <laughs> so i first saw some videos of ocean horn on on facebook it was an ad or something i was like wow this game looks a lot like zelda and i think that's kind of where people the interest of this game is picking up uh, Oceanhorn 2, Knights of the Lost Realm, has been an Apple Arcade exclusive for a while, but is now coming to Switch this fall. Um, I know Brian said that the original one didn't translate that well when it came to Switch because it was very obviously made for mobile. But maybe the second one might be a little different. Per, I know you've you've played them a little bit. 
I've only played the first one. I've been meaning to play the the second one on on uh, you know on Apple Arcade. Uh, <laughs> it it is it it looks it looks like Wind Waker, but the gameplay is very different. You know, it's a little bit. It's less about like this freeform exploration. Um, they they're competent games, but they're you know it's like it's a good approximation of a Wind Waker like adventure for a phone. And so the moment you put it on the Switch, it suddenly sits next to these sprawling adventure games and like. We'll see. Maybe the second one is just upgraded so much that yeah. it it can hold its own. I'll I'll play it. Yeah. I guess we'll check it out when it comes out. And this next piece of news is that Crash Bandicoot Four. It's about time. Maybe coming to Switch. So we know it's coming to the PS4 and Xbox One on October second. And Sane Trilogy also came to Switch about a year after its PS4 release. But we found someone found some placeholder code on the game's website about for the Nintendo Switch version. So. How likely do you think this information is to be true? <laughs> well, I don't know if the placeholder code is the giveaway because, you know, you'd have to compare it to other entries on that website and see whether that placeholder code is just always visible, mm-hmm. uh, always in the back end and not just uh, not just for this title. But um, and th- this person may have done that. But uh, Crash just does well on, you know, any of these platform games just do really well on Nintendo Switch. And so... Yeah, it it makes sense. I think it's very likely this will come over. Yeah, I don't think anyone would be upset about it at all. And lastly, we only have one piece of news this week, and that is that Nintendo's Breath of the Wild amiibo of Mifa and Valley may be getting repints. Um, so this was this is also kind of like a dubious source, but this was found on Nintendo's like consumer product certificates of compliance page. So they applied for another certificate to create these amiibo. So they might be hmm. getting reprints. But why? It, but why? I don't know. That's the question. Is, is there a Zelda game coming out? Everyone's going to scream. It's coming. But um, there's something that feels yes. like it's the wrong place to do it, especially. Um, this is always the best house. place to confess things. <laughs> I've never bought an Amiibo. And I just haven't hmm. seen why. I well, actually what's giant collection? You don't have to. <laughs> no, I've got, got some. Like I've gotten some. I've got some duplicates. Okay, this is usually how I get them, but I've never actually used one. Uh, They usually just sit on my shelf, and I've never felt the need to purchase them. So maybe I'll I'll need the elevator pitch from Pear. But I feel like it's more collection thing versus as much implementation, right? The use, the use of in games is pretty bad. It's not great, (laughs) right? But it is like for kids, it's cool to have this magical moment of a toy interacting with a game. That's cool. It worked well in Skylanders, but no, Mm -hmm. a lot of the later games also, they were kind of like an afterthought. Like the Breath of the Wild implementation with the wolf was pretty cool to unlock. That's what I was going to say. I really like that. And then if you scanned any others, like items and fish and whatnot would fall from the sky. That was pretty fun. You get some like unique loot. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Having the fierce deity armor was really awesome to have in Breath of the Wild. Yeah. But but they're all about like they're cool figures. They look really good. My priorities are like instead of buying a bunch of amiibo, I could buy a Gudetama bowling ball, as you see behind Mm. me, that I'll never use. (laughs) Instead of a bunch of amiibo, I'll never use. So, (laughs) you know, I still go somewhere, but. Yeah, I figured to why not on NVC, my first appearance to uh, admit to pair that I have never <laughs> used an Amiibo. <laughs> I've only bought a handful myself, so you're forgiven. Yeah. Do you have the Monster Hunter ones, Casey? I only have the um, 
I only have one of them, and that's because Logan very kindly gifted one to me for Christmas last year. Thank you again for that. I really appreciate it. And I didn't buy the other ones because Pear already had them all. So you can you can <laughs> take off the little riders and switch yeah, I know. Them between, the, I re- between whatever I honestly, the dragons are called. Ray I honestly, and- yeah, Rathalos and Rathian, and then you got Baryoth, and there you go. But I I do really regret not buying those because when they first came out you could actually get them on amazon for 13 dollars each and now i'm sad i didn't do it but hey maybe they'll do a reprint someday (laughs) maybe when monster hunter stories 2 comes out for the switch it's it's not happening that's just me trying to speak Mm -hmm. things into existence (laughs) what are movies brendan (laughs) when are we gonna get those again He's just shaking his head. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. But that is about all the news for this week. So let's move on into games coming out this week, including Volta X coming out on the 12th for $20. And it's a cute mech kaiju battling game with a cool painterly art style. I actually played this game at E3 last year when we actually could go to E3 and play games in person. And oh, I thought this was really cute. It, it basically, so the mech, so you're playing like a little chibi animal and you have to go to different rooms inside of a mech to do things. So how do we explain this? It's more kind of like a strategy game where you kind of have to strategize where you go to start doing processes FTL. within the mech. FTL. There we go. And to battle someone and you have PVP so you can fight someone doing the same thing. And it, I had a lot of fun with it. I thought it was really interesting. I think it's worth a look. Let's check it out. Um, and this next one is Feria. Have any of you played it, this game? I haven't played it. It just looks really nice. Uh, really pretty, uh, good-looking, hex-based board game, basically, right? With uh, with cards. Mm-hmm. It looks very Casey. I know. Just I, yeah. I desperately want to play it. I was hoping we would get a code, but we haven't. So maybe I'll just, just buy it tomorrow. Blurge. We'll see. It is one of Tom's favorite digital card games. I know. Ever. That's that's what makes me really want to buy it. And like Tom and I are really we are quite on the same page with with games. If it's a, if it's a genre that I like and Tom likes it, I'm going to like it. So I feel <laughs> like I need to get it. It does say this is one of Tom's favorite digital card games ever. But yeah, I need to check this out. Um, another game coming out. Tom. <laughs> Spirit of Tom speaks to us uh thank you tom again for filling out these games coming out this week i don't know what i would do without you because you always seem to know about all these games like years before they come out on the switch i don't know how you do it it's like you have some sort of machine that gets games earlier than the switch or something but uh (laughs) next game maybe steam powered this machine maybe steam powered very high tech But this next game is Boomerang Foo. It comes out on the 13th for $15. And Tom says it's a competitive party game where you throw boomerangs at each other. And it stands out in its quality. And it's from the makers of an awesome game called The Adventure Pals. I mean, I could always use an excuse to throw boomerangs at people. Adventure Pals is the one with a giraffe, right? I'm not sure. I'm not sure about The Adventure Pals. Yeah. Look it up. Yeah, do it. Does it have a giraffe? How's your sloth game going? Huh? How's your sloth game going? The Zootopia P- Picross. Yeah, Adventure Pals is the one with the giraffe. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I'm, not, I'm not playing that right now. <laughs> I went back I'm to so- Picross S4. I'm not playing my sloth game. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm in front of my sloth game. I, I wasn't even in front of it. I was just, it was just a key kind of figure that I remember seeing from the game. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's and so 
lastly, the last game coming out this week that Tom thought was worth mentioning is Double Quick Heroes out on the 13th for $22. And it is a rhythm shoot 'em up where you're a band driving a car through a zombie apocalypse, killing enemies with the power of rock. This sounds fun. Hmm. rock in all caps <laughs> <laughs> yeah all cap rocks he says it's a unique idea with great reviews from its early access period on steam you're showing us adventure pals no that's your that's your sloth game that's my sloth game <laughs> <laughs> but now we're kind of already on the topic so we were just talking about games out this week which includes Volta x feria boomerang foo and double kick heroes but let's talk about games you were actually playing this week brendan why don't we start off with you what are you playing uh, sure. Uh, one of them is Fall Guys because I can't get enough of that. I know it's not on Twitch, and I really hope one day it gets ported because it's pretty much like a Mario Party minigame battle royale meets a game show. Yeah, and it's just stupidly fun. And there's just so much. There's an amount of skill, but there's just more chaos. And I love chaos in minigames, like playing when smash with items on. I like being able to adapt to crazy things. Uh, the other game I'm playing is not technically illegitimate it is uh, a mod of a rom for banjo kazooie it is called banjo kazooie and the jiggies of time um we mentioned this on mvc uh a couple of weeks ago just nintendo knows i own a copy of banjo kazooie this is all legit um it's not really really brandon either (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but yeah it's made by a mark kirko uh he's done some other uh, mod work in the past, and this is like a full-fledged mod of Banjo Kazooie in the Ocarina of Time universe, and every area of the game has been like revamped into a clickathon world. It's it's a lot of fun. I haven't beaten it yet, but it's it's really challenging. So, what exact? Can you tell us a little bit more about the gameplay? Like, how exact does it play? More like Zelda or more like Banjo Kazooie? It is like your Banjo Kazooie, but the worlds are okay. you walking through Ocarina of Time. Okay, okay. And there have been some you know revisions to areas, some additions to can make it more Clickathon friendly. So, but then like there's lots of Easter eggs everywhere. You can find little like game cartridges and like box art hiding in every corner. Um, there's a giant statue of Diddy Kong in Kakarika Village. I don't know why, um, but there are actually some really challenging areas of like figuring out where to get all the jiggies, all the notes and stuff. Like you have to like platform across some pretty crazy areas, but it's also cool because like they take ideas of like, you only saw bits and pieces of Hyrule Castle, but in this one, you could actually climb to the very top of the castle and find a jiggy on top. So there's mm-hmm. some really fun imagining like all the music's redone. So it's got that like um, Grant Kirkhope kind of feel to it, but it's the Ocarina of Time music. And it also like shifts as you go underwater. You get that like classic, like mellow feel when you go underwater, the music changes. And there's some other like additions to like, you can hear like Link to the Past music in some places, but it's really well thought out. I'm, uh, it's very amazing. And if you like Banjo-Kazooie, Ukulele or any Clickathon games and you have access to a emulator, then yeah. <laughs> Give it a check out. Thanks for sharing, Brendan. Now, Terry, what are you playing? So I weirdly am playing a Final Fantasy Nine, the Final Fantasy Nine port on uh, Switch. So I had gone back a couple months ago at this point, and I had never played Final Fantasy Seven, and so I played the Switch version, which I know is weird, but like the Switch is the best console, and I would play anything on Switch over anything else for how uh just enjoyable it is to play that console wherever i want um so my husband has never played final fantasy final fantasy 9 and uh we wanted something to play together and so after i beat final fantasy 7 instead of playing final fantasy 7 remake like a normal sane person uh which i bought but 
have not played yet. Uh, I, we decided to get Final Fantasy IX, and so we've been playing it through. We've been doing it kind of in dribs and drabs, but we went on, we like had to leave the house <laughs> a little bit. And so we went to like Joshua Tree in the middle of the desert and just played video games for a couple of days. And my plan was to play uh, Paper Mario Origami King, which I also am like a couple hours into, but really we got to the point in Final Fantasy IX where like it gets good. We're almost done with uh, the disc three portion and all that. So um, in all my free time, instead of Fall Guys or Paper Mario or doing like any other number of things I should be doing, uh, I've been playing Final Fantasy IX with him instead. And it's really fun. The port is weird, though. I don't love it. But the game is great. What's weird with the port? So I went from playing the FF7 port, which I thought was really well done and just well optimized for like a modern gaming experience that kind of got rid of some of the things like the lag in between battle, like that it could take for a battle to start and all these um, elements that, you know, going back to the actual disc version of those games can sometimes be hard in a modern day. Um, apparently, the I, which I did not realize that FF9 port is from the mobile version, the mo- oh. mobile port of Final Fantasy IX, which makes a lot of sense uh, because it... I wouldn't call it the smartest port. A lot of the stuff you have to go through, like the start menu to make changes instead of just being able to press like the, the R and L um, triggers. Uh, weirdly, some of the lag is still there in the battle startups, which I don't understand. Like they could avoid that. And the sprites themselves, like just feel out of place against they've, they've updated the sprites, but not any of the backgrounds. So it's still kind of hard to navigate, but you know, I I haven't been able to play the game in a while because my my physical copy had some issues with it, and so it's been nice to just return to it. And it's that like Paper Mario uh, is one of my favorite games of all time, and again came out in the same era. Uh, so it's nice to see if it like holds up as well as I have all this nostalgia for it, and I'm really enjoying playing it instead of anything else I should be doing. That's fine. Sometimes it just happens. <laughs> Claire, what are you playing? You know what game could use a fast run button uh, like uh, FF7's port is uh, Paper Mario, the Origami <laughs> King. Uh, once once you're done with a lot of stuff, which I, I finished the game, uh, I, I enjoyed it a lot. I think it's really cool. It is held back by not having an RPG leveling system and the, the battle system outstaying its welcome, but the boss battles are so freaking awesome. It's got so many clever areas. But it could use some some more help when you're trying to chase down all the toads and all the things in the end. You got little uh, accessories you can equip equip to help with detection, and obviously you can see where you're missing stuff on uh, on the uh, kind of the map summary. But like running faster would be really nice in that game. <laughs> um, that said, it's it's great. Um, I'm I'm actually wondering as. I was struck by the fact that there's an area in the game that reminds me a lot of Kid Icarus. There's an area in the game that reminds me a lot of Wind Waker and Zelda in in a way. Like I was, I'm curious if any time in the development of this game they thought about doing little paper Zelda jokes or something, because there's literally there's an area with with trials named after the three pieces of the Triforce. And like, you know, they, they, it's, yeah. it's got these little, it's not, it's not like spelled out or like Zelda themed in any way, but it's just like so many coincidences um, that I can't imagine actually are coincidences. Honestly, like Origami King, like if you're, if, if you're still on the fence, it's super enjoyable. Uh, Terry, you're still in the portion of the game where I don't feel like it's come into its own. It, it hits its stride and kind of like the, you know the the boat in the desert, the 
areas and like it, i know i've heard you guys i've seen like in the nintendo voice chat like internal ign channels you guys mm-hmm. dropping things like the desert level and stuff like that so i'm looking forward to what i have to look forward to uh, yeah i'm still in i'm almost at the end of like the red streamer portion i'm not sure it's kind of like the first world that you go to to figure yep. out what's at the end of one of the streamers so i've like i found all the toads i've unlocked a lot of that level and i'm just about to kind of go up the mountain Terry, you just asked about how Pear thought about the battle system because you you don't really like it. Yeah, I, I well, I've heard that everyone really likes the, um, the boss battles, so I haven't gotten to that point yet. I've like mm-hmm. whacked some big uh, paper mache goombas and and what have you, but yeah. um, I'm I feel like I'm on the brink of the actual boss battle, and I'm excited to see like what it is about them that people like so much. So no spoilers, anyone. Yeah, the regular battles just don't get better because you have two types of uh, attacks, basically. Attack in a straight line and attack with a hammer in a in a four square, kind of like four things. And like you can get items like fire flowers, but they do the same thing as the boots, like as, you know, and like... It's it's weird puzzle. You'll never encounter like ice enemies where yeah, and then like it works better in the boss battles, but you never like encounter an ice enemy where you really have to use the flowers. It's like it's just easy once the battle starts and you're never really threatened by anything. And so it's imbalance, and then on top of that, it gives you a lot of help. So if you um if you don't like the battle systems, always pay the toads money so that they solve part of the puzzle for you. And then there's actually an item you can go into the menus and turn on this hint system so that the battles are even or easier. So you can. Well, escape that's the thing you say. Quickly. You say they're easy, but I'm like I'm filled with spite over the idea that I actually have to pay the toads, and so I'm kind of like resistant to it thus uh, far. But I've definitely died a couple times because I didn't figure out the puzzle right, and it just yeah, like go to our so, guy at ign.com. <laughs> there you go. Give him. Give the toads 200 coins, that's all. And you you make more than 200 coins on each battle. I was so you'll always have money. I confused why, like, two hours into the game, I had 10,000 coins, and it makes a lot more sense now. They're expensive oh collectibles. If you're completion this, you got to buy some expensive right. collectibles, yeah. But it's really good. I, I really enjoy it. I think it's a really good game. And then I played a ton more of Picross S4. For some odd reason, you know, like... Uh, I have every Big Rust game on the Switch on the system and, you know, tried to finish them all. And S4 has a lot of stuff in it. I'm over 50 hours in it. Um, and they, I still haven't done any of the, like, very few of the Megas, which is my least favorite mode. So I'm on the color ones now. Great game. I, I've actually... Guys, I played I played a video game this weekend. I'm, I'm proud to proud to say. But um, I've, <laughs> I played a whole round of Fall Guys yeah it was actually really fun it was very funny i didn't get i didn't win i played one round i didn't win i know i'm letting everyone down i might as well like give up my 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 wikis card but i did win the first three games in the round but yeah i didn't win your most favorite round that you played um there was a really stupid one where we had to collect balls i don't know i just like i did terrible at it but i thought it was funny yeah, uh, team games are such like they could be either really fun or really bad because nature of teams and like a, a party simulator game is just like it, you can go all the way bad or all the way good, or two teams can go against one team and just totally ruin their day. And sometimes mm-hmm. you're that team and it really sucks. Yeah, 
Yeah. I have not played it yet, but I've watched so many different people's either like ultimate fail videos that they've posted or <laughs> incredible win videos. And so I feel like I'm, I'm picking up skills from that, though who knows if they apply in practice, but at Simon Carty from our UK team, I don't know if you guys saw his video for one of the, it's, it's one of the ones I know you're like going up an incline and yeah, there's the like, Okay. So he, I don't know the names of them yet, but he just managed to perfectly go all the way up along the right side, the entire way with zero, with nothing <laughs> hit him. It, it was perfectly timed and he like won. And I was so blown away. I was like, I'm going to try to make that my strat every time by the time I actually do play this game and see if just I can play on the edge flawlessly. I did that map once and I got hit a bunch of times like, Oh, there's no way I'm going to win. I'm so far behind. And I see everyone ran up to the crown at the top. And they all keep bouncing off it because they're not grabbing onto the crown. And I'm watching like literally like eight other people <laughs> bounce off and fall into the pit. I'm like, oh, I guess I won. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So Fall Guys is a fun game that is unfortunately not on the Switch. But I did play a Switch game, played some Slay the Spire, which I guess I don't need to tell you guys anymore. But I also played some Clubhouse games uh, when our power went out the other day for a couple of hours. So that was fun. Always keep your switches charged just in case your power goes out. <laughs> um, and with that let's move on to question block and let's this first question or i guess it's not really a question it's more of a psa which i do appreciate from nate in minneapolis and he says long time first time just wanted to pass along that after i heard last week's show about the NS nintendo switch online vouchers that expired after a year womp womp i realized i had them and they'd expired and got in contact with nintendo customer service as soon as i could they were very courteous and reactivated extended the vouchers by a week for one time only fire emblem three houses and paper mario origami king are now safely downloaded on my switch and i cannot describe how happy i am about that now i just have to get through my backlog which includes finishing super mario odyssey tales of Vesperia, and Star Zelda Breath of the Wild first. Thanks for the show. You guys are so great to listen to, and I'm glad I can keep listening while we are quarantined. Stay safe. Nate. Thanks, Nate. We appreciate Thanks, that. Nate. Thanks, Good Nate. tip. Those are some fun, fun games to still play. <laughs> you have a lot of time for this. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Good games to have a lot of time to play. And this next question is from Trey Craig. And he says, if Nintendo were to release a collection similar to Rare Replay based on Nintendo 64 games, what games would you want? You can only pick five. I can go. Go pair. Yeah. You're prepared. Banjo-Kazooie, Blast Core, Banjo-Tooie, Diddy Kong Racing. Goldeneye. Um, I'm trying to think, I but no, no, oh, no, no, you go, Brendan. No Zelda. I guess you can play all those Zeldas on other other systems. Yeah. So go ahead, well, Brendan. Just, oh, I see. If Nintendo, I I misunderstood. I thought they it was rare games. Okay. I mean, I'd still um, think I think with those rare games. Yeah, <laughs> I still I still want the I'd still want Banjo Kazooie, but then of course I would I would take some of those Zelda games into it too. Um. I don't know. Okay. And 64, you would you would want Paper Mario, right? Yeah. And Mario 64, you got to have it. Paper mm -hmm. Mario, Mario 64, Goldeneye. I mean, so some of my favorites are so, you know what's funny speaking of rare games. Goldeneye. Uh, well, Donkey Kong 64, right? Which is like a game <laughs> that, that's very controversial to me to now because I had so much nostalgia for it at the time, but it's like kind of a terrible game. Like it's very unplayable, but still I don't know. Again, I have a lot of I've never there beat it. People who love it's it. So unplayable, I, so I could now. <laughs> I could tolerate it. There are people named okay. Barry Courtney who also love it. it. 
it's there is fun to be had. There's clever stuff in it. It's just so overbearingly about collecting stuff, right? Whereas like Banjo Kazooie is so clever by comparison. Like it has the collectathon right. stuff built in, but it has so much more to offer. Um, I would definitely want Banjo Kazooie in a collection like that. I'd um, actually want uh, yeah. Banjo Kazooie another smaller tier, but still good collectathon. Uh, Rocket rubbing on wheels. That's a really good one. Yeah. Space Station Silicon Valley from oh, the makers yeah. of Grand Theft Auto would be a good one. And then obviously, like, look, Nintendo first party stuff is all great, right? I would. Yeah. Pokemon Snap, a game you can beat in two hours, but I every know. time I'm like, but, yeah, I remember how to catch like that Grimer or whatever. <laughs> every single takes, thing. Take Star Fox, Star Fox 64, F0X. Those are all fantastic games. And then you've got Mario Kart 64 too. I miss her. All good. Got, okay, I think my my five would be Majora's Mask. Um, I feel like Ocarina of Time on a 3DS is fine, so I'm going to keep it there. Yeah. So I'm just going to have Majora's Mask on the 64 and Mario 64, Mario Party 2. Yeah. Mm, that's um, a good one, too. I didn't even think about that. Banjo-Tooie. I'm sorry. And... <laughs> And then I have the fifth game I have to think about. Me, Pokemon Stadium 2. Yeah. Mickey Speedway USA. No, that's a good pick. No. Those are my five. But look, I, it's hard to go down to five. It like is. Once you it is so first hard. party and third party. Like, I, you know, I had to be choosy just to pick five rare games. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, that's going to be tough. There's too many. There's too many good Do 64 games. I miss them. I want them. I want I want that library on Switch. We have so much time to play. And, well, you know, it existed on the, the Wii U. Like, please. Yeah. yeah please just put it. I know you're listening, Mr. Nintendo, boss of all things Nintendo. <laughs> just give it to us. And then we have one more question for this week. And this one is from Greg. Greg B. What is the one question that you wish we would ask that we haven't? Um, I should take this one, right? Yeah, go for it. My first time getting home. Go ahead. Yeah. (laughs) No, 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 no. (laughs) I, I mean, I, I think the question you should ask is, Pear, will you in one hour tell me how great the role-playing game Live Alive is from SquareSoft for the Super Famicom, and how it's a tragedy it hasn't been brought back? That's what you should really ask. One hour. Mm-hmm. Here's the question. You always say get the thing, but what is the thing? That's the question you should be asking. Yeah. What is the thing? Mm-hmm. You should is ask it even us, attainable. Yeah. You should ask us what the thing is that we want and how to attain it and if it is attainable in the first place. Yeah. Or was it taken out and it's no longer in this final version of life? All right. Enough about wizards. You should ask us, what would we do if a mage cast a spell on us? That's totally different from what you guys have been asking so far. Or a warlock. Or a witch. Or a warlock. Or a witch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, I don't know. I'm trying to think of other things that cast spells, but I'm, I'm drawing a blank. There's lots of things that cast spells. Sorcerer Supreme. Sorcerer Supreme. There we go. That's the warlock. question you should be asking us. But Terry, Brendan, and Pear, thank you so much for joining me on Nintendo Voice Chat this week. I really appreciate it. I'm so glad we can finally get you on, Terry. Thank Let me you tell for you. Me. This was a dream. Yeah, so great. I appreciated it. It's been it's been a long time coming. We've been trying to get her on since since like the April? I don't know. It's been yeah, a while. A, while. It's a, been while. a couple. <laughs> Terry is super busy. 
doing a lot of different awesome things. But Brendan, I canceled here. a meeting with yeah. our publisher to make us here and Ooh, I'm gonna tell honestly him. priority. No. no, he knows. He knows. <laughs> I'm sorry, but thank you so much. Um, anyway, that is all for NBC. Remember, you can submit your own questions to NBC at IGN.com or submit them on our Facebook page, the Nintendo Voice Chat Podcast Forums on Facebook, of course. And you can catch NBC every Thursday at 3 p.m. on your favorite podcasting platform, IGN.com or YouTube. And remember, Nintendo Voice Chat is the only place you can. Get the Get thing. The thing. <laughs> Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.